Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 8 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, September 14th, 2022. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. The rules for short-term rentals in Sitka are changing. When the Sitka Assembly met last night, it approved new restrictions to the permitting process for short-term rentals. STRs are most often run by property owners through vacation rental sites like Airbnb and Verbo. Since 2017, the number of permitted short-term rentals in Sitka has nearly doubled, prompting community concerns about the impact on Sitka's already tight housing market. Operating short-term rentals in a residential zone requires a conditional use permit from the city's planning commission. Earlier this year, the assembly attempted to put a temporary moratorium on new permits, but the measure narrowly failed. So they went back to the drawing board and held a town hall to solicit ideas. Sponsors Kevin Knox and Kevin Mosier say the idea for last night's ordinance sprung from that meeting. Under the updated rules, new applicants must occupy their property for at least 180 days a year in order to secure a short-term rental permit from the city. Additionally, all short-term rental permits will sunset when a property is sold. The Assembly passed the ordinance 5-0 on second and final reading and it goes into effect today. We'll have more coverage of the new rules governing short-term rentals in Sitka on Raven News tonight at 518. The city of Angoon has welcomed two new village public safety officers, or VPSOs. And while many rural communities in Alaska are fortunate to have any law enforcement presence, Angoon's success in recruiting two officers could be a first for the region. Officers John and Emily Jordan are a married couple. KCAW's Tosh Kimmel reports. The Jordans introduced themselves to the community during an Angoon City Council meeting on September 9th. My name is John Jordan. Originally, I am from eastern Washington State. They're doing ski patrols, so EMS, before moved up to Alaska uh, late last fall. And I've been the VPSO in Pelican for about six months now. And I'm Emily Jordan, and I've been a VPSO working with Lincoln Haida for about two years, two months. Um, I'm an EMT too, and have 16 years plus of EMS experience. The Jordans will be the first married couple ever hired to the position by the Central Council of Clinkett and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska. Jason Wilson, head of public safety for Clinkett and Haida, said he was initially reluctant to hire the couple, but feels certain they'll be an asset. I'll be honest, and they know my apprehensions at first, and when we started talking, it was like, uh, I don't know if this is going to work, um, but um, Trooper World uh, has had uh, married couples work uh, same shifts and side by side together um, for many years, and they've had very little to no issues, um, so I have a lot of faith in these two. Wilson also mentioned how hard it's been to hire and retain VPSOs throughout Southeast. He said he hopes hiring two at once will help with retention and plans on eventually introducing a third to the community. Our goal always with our VPSOs is to get them to stay into our communities as long as possible. We've gone through Angoon and all of my communities and having one VPSO carry the responsibilities. That's a heavy load, 24-7, no days off. That's a lot. Um, and that's how we lose people. So we got two. Attendees and council members seem pleased and excited for the arrival of the Jordans. Former mayor and community member Pauline Jim suggested their first task be keeping an eye out for speeding cars. Uh, the biggest thing I'd like to see focus on is 
We have cars that speed around. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Tosh Kimmel. On September 2nd, the White House announced $49 million in funding for further development of Alaska's mariculture industry. That's mostly shellfish and seaweed. The Alaska Mariculture Cluster, led by Southeast Conference, was one of 21 winners in the nationwide Build Back Better Regional Challenge program. A bit of that money is going to the University of Alaska Southeast. Joel Marcus directs the Applied Fisheries Program in Sitka. They're receiving $2.3 million. So aquaculture and mariculture have been, you know, kind of a part of our program for, uh, you know, over a decade now. But the mariculture side of things has has really started to grow as the industry has started to see receive more attention and, and, and more interest over the past years. And so we've seen that that portion of our program grow in the last five years. And this, you know, these funding opportunities are kind of um, go in line with that. Marcus says the money will support their growing mariculture workforce development program by helping them hire a faculty member, a marketing and recruitment specialist, and a technician. It will also fund the development of a climate-controlled growth chamber for spawning algae and kelp, along with a commercial kitchen. So now that we've collected or harvested these organisms out of the ocean, uh, what are we going to do with them? And so the hope is that uh, with the addition of a commercial kitchen space uh, that's uh, FDA certified, we can actually prepare some of these things for food and, and give students kind of a, you know, a, a glimpse at that side of things, of what does it take to, to, to actually turn these, things in, to turn these different products into food, and then are there ways that we can potentially add value to them through that kind of culinary side of things. Marcus says he's excited and hopes it signals a new era for the UAS Sitka campus after a few challenging years, with programs throughout the university system facing major budget cuts. Marcus hopes this investment in their program will help them bring the mariculture industry to a wider audience and to help it grow. I think there's a huge amount of of potential out there. We've got, you know, tens of thousands of miles of coastline in southeast Alaska alone and the capacity to to, to grow a lot of food in our waters, you know, kind of right here locally and, and throughout southeast Alaska. And so if we can aid in doing that in a, in a responsible manner, in a sustainable manner, and, and help support the industry by, by teaching people about the different aspects of mariculture and of, of growing food in the ocean, I think it's something that we're all really excited about. The Alaska Mariculture Cluster was one of 529 applicants to the federal funding program. They have five years to spend the funding on eight different projects to develop and expand the mariculture industry throughout the state. Planners are looking for public input on a new master plan for Mount Edgecombe High School. The state-owned boarding school has far more land than its buildings occupy on Japonski Island in Sitka, and lately there's been pressure from neighboring property owners hoping to expand. Architects and state officials met with stakeholders in a public meeting on September 8th to gather input that could help shape the vision for the school, and they're hoping for more input over the week. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Land use at Mount Edgecombe recently came under the spotlight when the State Board of Education agreed to enter negotiations with the Coast Guard for the purchase of some of the school's waterfront property. Board members wanted the sale to conform to the Mount Edgecombe Master Plan, But the first planning meeting wasn't scheduled until the day after the board met in Sitka on September 7th. Still, the Coast Guard request is a fraction of the Department of Education's footprint on Japonski Island. The Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium is another major property owner, and there is both City of Sitka and other federal property nearby. 
Tim Mearing, the facilities manager for the State Department of Education and Early Development, said he had personally been involved in three previous master planning efforts for the school. But this time around, there were some new things happening. One of which is this public involvement piece. We've never really done this before uh, for a master plan at the school. And so it's a uh, It's an exciting step for us to uh, put that in. The planning meeting was facilitated by Anchorage-based architect Paul Barrell, along with Chris Myrtle, a landscape architect in Juneau. Barrell said the goal was to incorporate as much information into a visual tool to help guide development of the school. The long-term plan for this project is to uh, have a completed uh, 3D uh, map, basically, of the campus that will um, be... uh, a database for the Department of Education and Mount Edgecombe to use as a wayfinding tool, but also a database for all of this information that we're gathering through this master plan process to be incorporated into a web, a 3D website, a mapping website. A draft master plan and mapping website would come on top of a detailed analysis of building conditions and be ready by the end of October. In the meantime, planners want public input. Attendees at the meeting provided ideas and priorities for the group, with suggestions ranging from incorporating more native foods into the school's meal plan to focusing on place-based learning, teacher housing, and resisting pressure to sell land. The Mount Edgecombe Master Plan has its own website, where a recording of the September 8th meeting is available. The public comment period was expected to be open for two weeks. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. You can find a link to the Mount Edgecombe Master Plan website on our website, kcaw.org. Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski was in Skagway last week as part of a Southeast tour. She also took the opportunity to survey a looming rock slide threat. Active rock slides are threatening to devastate the town's multi-million dollar cruise ship port. That could take a serious bite out of the visitor industry that feeds Southeast Alaska's summer economy, which was already hurting after pandemic shutdowns. Skagway is more than a cruise ship port. It is also a port of entry to Canada at the Fraser border, just 20 miles out of town. Murkowski said that's a big part of why she's interested in helping Skagway address the issue. This is one of those gateway communities um, to, to the border here, right? And so this is about access. Um, this is not just about a tourism community, um, but you've got to be able to move in and out. Murkowski said there might be ways the federal government could help. She cited her work on the infrastructure bill, which focuses on things like roads, rails, bridges, ports, harbors, and the Alaska Marine Highway System. Um, when we think about ways that the federal government can help facilitate healthy, healthy communities, um, making sure that you've got a good, strong, safe waterfront is, is pretty important. The senator also visited Juneau, Haines, Teneke Springs,